many years ago, I had a, a bishop in my life. I was young. I was still at this church. I was still in my 20s when this happened. I had a bishop in my life that came to me and chewed me out, and I didn't think I deserved it. And so I wish that I could tell you that I was the man of God, and I handled myself well, but I didn't. I'm being honest with you. I got mad, I pouted, and I gossiped. I, I hate to admit it, but I did. I went around talking about this guy. I told everybody how low down of a scandal he was. I know none of you would ever do that, right? But I was whispering in the corners. I'd go to the state meetings and sit on the back row. No offense to you guys back there. I know you're, 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 you're just close to the bathroom. I get that, right? But, but I would go sit on the back row with my hands folded. I was always a singer, but I quit singing. I wouldn't sing at the meetings. I wouldn't sing in the choir. I was pouting, and everybody knew I was mad. I was, ha have you ever seen somebody that wants you to know they're mad? So my hands were folded. My face was frowned. I mean, I want everybody to know I was mad. And I couldn't wait till they asked me, Brian, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. Uh -huh. You want to know what's wrong with me? I'll tell you what that man did to me. And for two years, I did this. Two years. My church had plateaued. It had stopped growing. I had stopped growing. And one night the Holy Spirit walked into my study on a Saturday night. I'll never forget it. I can tell you right where we lived. I can tell you the chair I was sitting in when this happened. And the Holy Spirit said, really? Are you going to forfeit your future over that? I said, what? He said, don't you realize, now get this, God can't bless rebellion. Don't you realize that you're living in rebellion and God can't bless rebellion. And then he told me something that I'll never forget. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. If you cannot submit to the authority of those that I've placed over you, neither will others submit to the authority I've placed in you. And all of a sudden, I, let me tell you something. If you join the U.S. military, you don't get to pick your sergeant. You don't get to pick who's over you. You don't get to pick your drill sergeant. You say yes, sir, and you salute, and you do whatever you're told to do. But sometimes in the army of God, we want to, back, we want to badmouth and talk about those who have authority that the Lord's placed to bring us up to higher places. And we want to turn, our, we want to turn it around on them. And the Lord said, you don't have to like him. I said, thank the Lord for that because I don't think I can, but I'll try. He said, you don't have to like him, but you have to submit to him. And when I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you cannot submit to the authority that I've placed, to the authority of those I've placed over you, neither will others submit to the authority I've placed in you. Here's, here's what I saw. And it was already happening. I saw my wife losing respect for me. Can I tell you something? If you get angry, your whole family will lose respect for you. If you start living in bitterness, your whole family will lose. I, I couldn't bear the thought of my children, who the loves of my life, growing up with an angry father. I couldn't bear the thought of that. I couldn't bear the thought of my church losing respect for me because the Holy Spirit said, if you can't submit to the authority I've placed over you, neither will others submit to the authority I've placed in you. So I said, what do I need to do to save my ministry and my life? He said, you need to go apologize. I'm, I want to tell you something, guys. That's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. This little mouthy guy, he was little, he was mouthy, and he was, you know, he was just like that. I never learned to like him, but I did learn to submit. So I went to his office, and I thought, I'm going to do this right because I want my authority back. So I got on my knees, 
just like I thought I had to do what God wanted me to do. And I was very sincere. I got on my knees in his office, and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry for the way I've been acting. I'm sorry because I've been talking about you. I'm sorry because I've been whispering about you in the corners. I've been gossiping about you, and I'm sorry. I didn't know what I expected, maybe pat on the back, you know, something like that. He walks over to me and messes up my hair like you would a little kid. I'm still on the floor, and he's doing this, and this is what he says. I knew you'd come around. I'm sitting there just like this, and everything in me. I've got the gun cocked and loaded. I am ready. I just literally, I, I balled up my fist. I'm on the ground. I said, Lord, just let me one punch. I, it's not the unpardonable sin. I know I can get forgiveness. It's not the unpardonable sin. Just let me knock him out one time. And I could have, I could have wadded that man up and stuck him in my pocket and felt good about it. You know what the Holy Ghost said? We going to do this again? No. I've already been doing it for two years. You're going to go, are we going to go back there again? This is your test. You either pass it or you take it again. See, God doesn't fail you. He makes you take it again and again and again and again and again. And I'm tired of taking some of those tests. The only way out of it is you got to pass it. It's like your driver's test. You can't drive till you pass the test. And you cannot live in victory till you pass the test. You're going to do this again? No. And then the Holy Ghost said, then cut his grass. What? <laughs> cut his grass? That means I have to go to his house. Cut his grass. So I got up, messy hair and all. And I said, yes, sir, you're right. I come to my senses. Can I cut your grass? He said, what? I said, yep, can I cut your grass? He said, well, I guess so, because I hate to cut grass. So I go to his house, boom, crank it up, and I'm mad the whole time I'm cutting that grass. And the Holy Ghost says, we going to do this again? Here's your chance. I'm giving you all these chances to get it out of your system. If you get it out of your system, you can be free for the rest of your life. But if you do not make amends in this moment, you will be bound by this moment for the rest of your life. All Satan has to do is push one button, show you that man's name. Have you ever met people that you didn't like them because of their name? Because you didn't like somebody else with that name? And you wouldn't even give them a chance because of that name. And the Holy Ghost says, every time you hear that guy's name, you're going to get mad all over again. And he was right. He was right. I mean, it, it, I knew that this was my moment. The Lord said, you're going to cut this grass until you get rid of it. And after I cut his grass, I, I, I did this on purpose. And I got talked about for doing this because it looked like something else. It looked like, you know, I was just trying to get points, but uh, I wasn't. When we at the state meetings, I'd pick up the guy's briefcase, and I'd carry it behind him. I never did like him. He's in heaven now, I think, but I, I'd, I know he's not on this earth now, but I can tell you this. He was not a likable guy, and I don't know anybody else that liked him either, 
but he was the person that was over me in the Lord in that season. And the Lord used him to sharpen me. God says, you want to live in victory, you got to put on your own shoes. I'm not going to put them on you. You have to put on your own shoes. Now listen to what he says. He says, the next thing you have to do, you have to put on your armor that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on your garment. So the first thing he said, gird yourself so get a scripture in your mouth. Secondly, make peace with whoever you have to make peace with. Cleanse your heart. You've got to put on your shoes and then you put on your garment. Now what does he mean by putting on your garment? When you put on your garment, you're now ready for spiritual warfare. But how do we do real spiritual warfare? Well, listen to what the Bible says. It says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So how do we do warfare against something we cannot see in the armor of God? Listen to what he says. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He said, stand therefore girded with your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with a preparation of the gospel peace. That's where we've been so far, right? We've got that much of the armor on, but then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith which with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Can you see all of this adding up? I mean, that's how we stand in our faith. But then he tells us, after you get that on, I've got my shoes on. I've made peace. I've got my faith on. I didn't quit believing. I've got a sword in my mouth. I pointed a scripture at it. What do I do now? How do I win this battle? He says, when you get the armor on, then the angel said, follow me. So I have to walk it out in the spirit. Once I start my peace, how do I walk it out in the spirit? He tells you. He says in the next verse, look at this. Praying always with prayer and supplication. What are the next three words? In the spirit. He says, when I get my armor on and I've made peace, now I've got to start praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. If I want to win, you cannot win by just begging God. You have to win by pointing a sword at it. You have to win by making peace with your enemies. And now you win by standing your ground and praying what you don't even know how to say. You start praying in the Spirit. Now let me show you something in the Bible. In Philippians 2, 9 and 11, look at this. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, right? We love that passage, right? But look at this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, that, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Okay, now here's where we mess that verse up. We just say, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible said. It didn't say every knee will bow. Every knee should bow if we do this. What do we do? We have to pray. Let me show you. We have to pray in the tongues of heaven, the tongues of the earth, 
and the tongues under the earth. Now, I'm going to go deep for a minute, so put on your scuba gear. Here we go. Since the Tower of Babel, languages have been on this earth, and there's multiple languages around the world. But demons don't have their own language. When the devil attacks your mind, he attacks you in your language. When the enemy comes against you, he attacks you in your language. What languages do demons speak? Every language that's ever been spoken. So here I am, an attack against my house, and I'm feeling oppression, and I don't know how to fight it. Have you ever felt oppression in your house, and you didn't know how to pray? You didn't know what to say? Listen to what he says. He says, all you have to do is say this. I'm going to walk over here because I'm telling you what, I get so excited when I see this, I'm going to have to point at it. All you have to do is say, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all you have to say. Have you ever heard someone speak in tongues and it sounds like they're just saying the same phrase over and over again? It doesn't sound like a language. It sounds like they're just repeating something over and over and over. Why? Because when the enemy comes against your house, he may be attacking you in another language that you don't understand. He may be coming against you in an old Byzantine language, an old, an old Mesopotamian language, an old African tribal language. He may be coming against from a, a root Latin language. He may be attacking your mind and you feel the oppression, but you don't know how to pray. But can I tell you something? If you can say one sentence in that language that you're being attacked with, if you can just say, Jesus Christ is Lord, that devil has to take a knee. He has no choice. He has no authority when you declare Jesus Christ is Lord. That is when the enemy is thwarted. That is when the enemy is overthrown. So when you hear people praying in tongues, they're not just glorifying God. Sometimes they're just saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And can I tell you something? When your house is under oppression and the enemy comes against you, you pray in your prayer language and you don't have to know what you're saying but don't just don't just wave your bible in the air you start quoting scriptures then you start praying in your prayer language until it changes whoa 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 wait a minute what did you just say pray in your prayer language until it changes i just want to say thank you to all of our ministry partners who help us take the gospel around the world and train pastors and leaders around the world. Uh, because of you, we have been able to do so much for the kingdom and expand the kingdom of God. Uh, I was able to train over 5,000 church planters just in the country of India alone. We've worked all through Africa as well as Europe. Uh, every year I go to Romania and train pastors and we've trained hundreds of pastors there in, in Romania. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from programs, certificate programs, just in Central America. Uh, our teams and our, the young men and women that I've taken on the field with me, numerous uh, young ministers who I just want to give them experience and, and uh, help them to get their feet wet in ministry. We have gone around the world spreading the gospel, and none of this is possible without you. I just want to say thank you for your continued support, whether it's a one-time donation of any size or whether it is a, a monthly donation that you've decided to partner with us uh, monthly. I just want to say thank you for that. And for those of you that are looking for ways to give to this ministry, because it is a good seed to sow in, and we're doing things around the world, here's a screen that would tell you some 
easy ways that you can give to this ministry. But once again, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from all of those lives that you are changing. It is my honor to be your ambassador to the world. Here is where a lot of Pentecostals get messed up. They don't understand we get in the habit of speaking in tongues. Sometimes we need to pray to get real victory. We need to pray in more than one language. What does that look like? First of all, here's why you need to pray in more than one language. First of all, your language can be learned. Entiendo mucho palabras en español, pero no hablo mucho en español. I just said to you, I understand how somebody just knew what I said. They said, oh, hallelujah, santo, santo. I just said, I understand a lot of words in Spanish, but I don't speak a lot of Spanish. So I just said that. You can learn a phrase. There's a lot of people have learned their tongue, and they can roll it off just when they get excited. They don't need the unction of the Holy Spirit. They can get excited and just roll out tongues, and that's not even the Holy Spirit. That's you. That's you. And you better be careful with that because that's borderline blasphemy. You better be careful with that. They can just get excited and speak in tongues because they're learning the tongue. You can learn a tongue. You need to understand this. Why do I need to pray in more than one tongue? Because speaking in tongues can become a habit. I'm just saying I'm not feeling the unction of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Boy, I, there's so many places I could go right now, but I don't want to go there. You know, when somebody's living a life of sin and they're still speaking in tongues, mm, I don't know. You know, is it just me or is something wrong with that? Is, it, is something wrong with that that, they could, that curses and blessings are coming out of the same mouth? Is it, is it something wrong with that that they just told a filthy joke and now they're speaking in tongues? Is something wrong with that or is it just me? Is this wrong that they just gossiped about somebody and now they're speaking in tongues or is it just me? It's just me that they just complained about the, everything in the church and now they're speaking in tongues or is it just me? Is it just me? No, it can become a habit. So you need to learn how to pray in more than one tongue because it can become a habit. Another thing is... It can keep you from going deeper. If you just pray in your language, I get it. You got a prayer language when you got saved, but go deeper. Pray until the language changes. And I'm going to give you a secret. Pray until the, so the spirit can address the ancient spirit that's attacking you. So here is how, how do I do this? I'm going to give you a little secret. That maybe you already know it, but it was a secret to me until somebody showed it to me. When you pray in your prayer language, for 15 minutes straight. I said 10 to 15, but really it's 15. And there's a, there's a reason why. In the Hebrew language, every letter has a numeric equivalence. And you know that. Perry teaches that better than anybody in the world. But the highest it goes is 900. After 900, you start over. 900 means the alphabet's complete. 15 minutes of prayer is 900 seconds of prayer. When you get to the end of 900 seconds, you're ready for a new language. 
But a lot of people can't pray for 15 minutes in the Spirit. But here's what I'm going to tell you. There was a man in Ohio. His wife was, was dying of cancer, and the Holy Spirit showed him this. That's the first person I ever heard. You know, Mark Casto actually was the first person that ever told me about this. And he told me about that guy in Ohio. And I went and looked up the guy in Ohio and listened to his teaching, and he's the guy that actually said this. He said, and I thought, is that true? And then I'm a numbers guy, so I started looking up the numbers, and I like types and shadows. And I found the proof in Scriptures that 900 means completion. It's nine months is a gestation period for a baby to be born, and then something new is birthed. So you hold on to something for nine months, and then you birth something new. So if you can pray in your prayer language for 15 minutes, here's what you're going to see happen. It's going to change. When I first heard this, I told my redhead, I said, I'm gonna, I, have, I have a war room in my house. So after I watched war room, I had to have one. So I have a prayer room up, uh, it's upstairs in our house. And I go up in my war room, and I said, I'm going to time myself, and I'm not coming down until I've prayed 15 minutes in the Spirit. And I went up in my, in my war room, and I started praying, and I looked at this clock. I've got this large letter clock in there where I pray in the mornings. And, and I started praying, and, the, and I was praying praying in the spirit and after 15 minutes guys I'm not kidding you you go home and try it it'll amaze you after 15 minutes there was something came out of me that that I had never heard come out of me and I thought I'm not letting this go I prayed in that language for another 15 minutes just to see what would happen and after 15 more minutes a different language and I wasn't like trying to make this happen it's like I couldn't control it another language birthed out of me and then I did this for an hour. I literally prayed in four different languages in that hour of praying in the Spirit. Sometimes you got to pray until your language changes to get free because you don't know how to attack the enemy with the words he's using against you. But all you have to do is say, Jesus Christ is Lord here in that language, and the enemy has to take a knee. Can I tell you something? Sometimes when you think you're praying in the Spirit, you have no idea what you just said to the devil. You might have said, you low-down, thieving, lying devil. You're going to spend your life in the abyss of hell, the flames of hell. No wonder he has to leave because you just think you're just caught up in the Holy Ghost praying, and the Holy Ghost might be telling him off. I mean, he might just be giving him down the road, and you're just having a good time in the Lord. and You feel the bubbling coming up. The spring is coming forth, but that devil is hearing a what for that's what my grandma used to say giving him a what for I don't even know what that means but it sounds good right now but the devil is telling him his business I mean the Holy Spirit is telling the devil his business you have no idea how many times you have said in the Holy Ghost you devil you get your nappy hands off of my children or I'll take my hands around your neck I'll cast you in the abyss early you will suffer for the rest of your days you'll not roam this earth and the devil has to leave and you're just praying in the Holy Ghost but the Holy Spirit had just spoken in another language and spoke to that devil in a word that he didn't understand and you felt free because you felt him leave. Sometimes you have to pray until the freedom comes. Give God praise in his house tonight. Now I can see why we can't go through all four levels. This is just level one. So how do I win this spiritual warfare? I have to do what the angel did to get him out of the prison. I have to Put, I have to put on my garment and follow him. I have to put a sword. Gird yourself. Put on your shoes. Everybody say it with me. Gird yourself. Put on your shoes. And walk in the spirit. 
Say it again. Gird yourself. Put on your shoes and walk in the Spirit. One more time. Gird yourself. Put on your shoes and walk in the Spirit. There's people in this room that need to be free tonight. I want the musicians to come because there's people in this room that need to be free tonight. And God is going to set you free, not because somebody's going to lay hands upon you, but because you are about to get up. You are about to get up out of that prison of your mind. Let me tell you something. When we pray for you in a few moments, this is what my prayer is for you. I want the Holy Spirit to give you one scripture. Sometimes we want a word when we need a scripture. Sometimes we want somebody to give us a word of, of direction when all we need is a scripture. We have to point the sword at the problem. We need the Holy Spirit to give us a scripture. And then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. This may be painful for some of you because I'll tell you it was for me. It was a two-year journey for me to cleanse my heart. And then the other one happened after that. You'd think I'd learned my lesson, right? The other one happened after the two-year journey. No, the Holy Spirit wants you to cleanse your heart. Can I tell you, can I tell you one of the coolest stories that I know about my life? I want to, I, I'd rather tell this when Perry was here, but it, it has to do with Perry. Um, I can't believe I'm going to tell this, but I am. Um, uh, Faith and I used to sing with Perry uh, whenever he was... Uh, a young evangelist. So Faith and I, our first date was at his revival. And so we would go around and sing with him. And so we had this little trio, and I was supposed to, I, was, I would, had gotten this little revival up in Watts Bar, Tennessee. So I called Perry up, and I said, listen, though, why don't you come and sing with me in Faith? And you know Perry. He probably forgot it or something. He was just so busy running wide open, so he didn't show up that night. And I got my feelings hurt. And so the next time he called me in faith to go sing with him, I said, you know, we're kind of busy. We'd gotten married by this time. I said, you know, we're kind of busy. And he said, oh, really? Well, and then he called me the next week. Man, I'm going to be over here. I said, you know, we're kind of busy. And so a couple of years went by, and we didn't go out with him. And then I saw him at the General Assembly of the church garden, and he came up to me, and he said, what happened to you? What happened to us? Man, we were close. What happened to us? And I said, um, you know, nothing. I was lying. You know, nothing. You can't lie to a prophet. I should have known better, right? He didn't buy it. But he just, he, he's such a loving person. He just let it go. This went on for years. I can't even tell you how long. After the Lord was cleansing me on this two-year journey that I told you about, one of the people was Perry Stone. The Holy Spirit said, now you need to forgive Perry because he hurt your feelings and you quit going and singing with him. Now, this is years later, years later. So I called up a friend of ours, Jim Bolin, and I said, Jim, I'm so embarrassed to do this, but I need to call up Perry. Now, now Perry's ministry is blown up. And the whole world knows him, right? And, and I have to call this guy and apologize. Not the guy, not the young evangelist I was running around with. I have to call this guy and apologize. And I was scared to death to do it. I didn't know what he would say. So I called him up one day. I said, Perry, um, I need to tell you a story, man. You remember whenever I called you to come and sing at Watts Bar? And he said, no, I don't remember it. So I, did, I knew he didn't do it on purpose. But all that time, the devil was using it against me. And I said, well, that's why I quit singing. That's why we quit going out because I got my feelings hurt. And I quit going out and singing with you. He said, are you kidding me? You quit, you quit because of that? That's why you, I said, I'm sorry, man. I, that, may, that makes me weak. I'm so sorry. So we, you know, hung up the phone amiably and. This is on like Thursday. On Sunday morning, I'm preaching at my church. And in the middle of my sermon, I look up 
And there's Perry Stone in the building. He had flown to St. Louis. He was sitting on the back row. And Perry walks, when I gave the altar call, Perry Stone walks up. I mean, this guy's now worldwide known. He walked, I'm telling you the kind of guy he is, kind of Christian he is. He walks up to the front at the end of my sermon and he says to me, while I'm giving the altar call, can I sing? I said, what? He said, I came here to your church today. I flew in here on my plane. I want to sing. I owe you a song. Let me sing. And listen, I broke down and cried. We both cried. He sang for the altar call. And the next year, he preached at my church and kept coming back every year. And do you know, if I had not have made that phone call, I would not be here building ISO right now. Your future may be tied to your peace. And I will tell you something. I've told the whole world this, and I'll tell everybody in the world this. Perry Stone, just like the rest of us, is not a perfect man. But he's one of the finest Christians I have ever met in my life. That's the honest truth. He's the real deal. I mean, he really is the real deal. Anybody that would go to that length to a friend, and I'll tell you what, he knows this, and everybody else knows this. i got that man's back. I had, I, I've had his back ever since that day. Nobody anywhere in the world will ever say a word to me about him without getting a reaction because I have his back, and he knows that. He knows I genuinely love him. I don't just, I'm not here, I'm not riding on anything I'm here because I genuinely love him, and it's an honor to serve this house. It's an honor to serve this ministry. It's an honor to serve this prophet. And so I want to tell you, that's, he's the real deal. Your future may be hanging on a phone call. Your future may be hanging on a letter. Your future may be hanging on, your peace may be hanging on one of those moments. I want you to stand all over the room.